0: Comics in Motion is proud to be sponsored by Lenovations Press, home of the world-renowned tracksuit man, the story about traveling, to which we can all relate, and something we've all missed this last year. Lenovations Press continues to make the decades-long quest to bring quality, independent comics to the masses, with three comics each year, featuring the supergroup slash government experiment gone wrong, section 12. Click the link in the show notes for more information about how you can buy some high-quality, independent comics. And stay tuned, because Each time a new issue comes out in 2021, Comics in Motion listeners will be eligible to win free copies of Section 12. Click that link, check out Lenovations Press, support them on Patreon, you'll be happy you did. What started as just an appearance on Indie Comics Spotlight has turned into an excellent partnership between Comics in Motion and Lenovations Press. We look forward to bringing you some amazing content. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Indie Comics Spotlight, a show where we spend time looking at an ongoing series of graphic novels from the company of the big two. I hope here is that we can do a deep dive on an Indie comic you may have missed, or give you a chance to talk about one of your favorites with us on social media afterwards. I'm your host, Tony Farina of DC Comics News and Fantastic Universes. I've been reading comics since I was 12. And while I love a good superhero battle, I gravitate towards indie comics and standalone graphic novels because they give artists a chance to connect with readers in different ways and tell stories they may not have been able to tell with traditional comics or traditional novels. I hope that you enjoyed the show. If you are a Comics in Motion listener, which you must be, or you wouldn't be listening to this, you'll know way back, way, way back in the, in the dawn of podcasting when Chris and Dave started Comics in Motion, my guests were on the original feed talking about Gregory's suicide. And now here they are to talk about Goblin, Will Perkins, Eric Grissom. Thank you for joining me. I'm hey, the Spotlight.
1: Thanks for, Thank having me. for having us.
0: Yeah, this, it's very strange. Like the
1: last time we were on here for Gregory's suicide, now we've arrived with a middle grade uh, fantasy adventure book. So we like, you know, we, we do the whole spectrum.
0: That's, and you know what though? i got pink that's right. And I read the whole spectrum. There's nothing wrong with that, right? It's always good to have a little bit of everything. Yeah. Yeah. And I had, I mean, I've had, I had Brenna Thummler on. She has a middle middle reader book out, you know. I had my daughter, who's a teacher, on, and we talked about um, uh, Raina Telgemeier stuff. So whatever, if it's if it's a comic book and it's not from the big two, I will talk about it. So I'm very for excited reads. Yeah, and for
1: for me personally, like I just follow whatever the story is. So it's I very seldom think about the genre or the age or anything. It's just sort of whatever. You know whatever comes to mind and we just sort of run with it nice. which is, i think is a good and a bad thing because sometimes it's easy to mar- like to say okay well i'm only doing middle grade stuff so like when you set up at a table at a convention or something like that you have like clearly defined books for for one set of people where sometimes with with me I'll have like we will have like the fan, uh, planet gigantic or the goblin stuff that's great for kids and it's like do not look over here don't touch at, this at the animals
0: book that I did because there are uh, naked humans in this you know so it, yeah. it, that that part can get a little a little tricky yeah but that's okay but that's the beauty of this art form and and. That's actually the best place to start. Um, I always start this place. So since I know you guys have been on the network, but you've not been on my show on the network because when you guys were on, there was just one show. Now there's one every no, day. No, it's exciting.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's, we've it's grown. Expanded.
0: Yeah, it's pretty cool. And the, weird, and the stuff we have is all over the place. It's a lot of fun. So I would love if you guys would just take a few minutes each You don't get into this. It's not like you're like, all right, I guess I'll write comics. If you've never heard of comics, I've said, you know, so like, what is your comic book origin story? How was it? I see Will's shelf back there. So I believe Will may or may not be, you guys can't see this on the show. Not a big fan. Not a big fan at all. No, not at all. Try it. Just, I mean, it could be, if you didn't know, you might be a wall at a comic shop. Honestly, that's what it looks like. So will you go first? Tell everybody your like how did you get into comics and then how did that translate into working in comics?
2: I honestly don't remember. Like I've I've just always been I've been either reading or drawing I'm like as a little kid just doodling, but like uh, I remember my my local town had like a cell like a science center celebrating 50 years of DC comics. I don't remember. It was in the 80s and uh, and I my dad took me bought me my first comic, and it was Man of Steel number one, Whoa, uh, the John geez. Byrne revamp. And uh, I don't know, I think, I think it was the only way they could get me to read in the beginning, and it's just like, and that's all I wanted to do. So uh, I uh, I was always that kid who was just like in in middle school being like, like people paying me to draw their favorite characters, or you know, doodling through class and failing my, my social studies class. So uh, when I went to college i uh eventually stopped doing the thing i paid all the money to do and was like i'm just gonna do this on the side and then slowly but surely kind of just fell into uh through a couple of random circumstances working at the same company as eric
0: nice that's awesome and so that is that's how Will's store ends with him meeting eric which i'm sure (laughs) That's a sitcom waiting That'd to happen, happen, I hope. And so. <laughs> oversimplification. Uh, no, I know. <laughs> and we had to, we had to
1: room together and, uh, yeah.
0: <laughs> right. It's like a, it's a wacky, yeah. you got a wacky theme song? Yeah. There's high so, so, Eric, gonna what's involved. your, first of all, Will, John Burns, Man of Steel, that's no joke. It's not like you started with something like you didn't take it easy on your way in. It wasn't like, Oh, and he has it framed. <laughs> oh man. Right
2: next to right next to my own first comic. It was, it was the one, man. It was for some reason. It was just like I had to, I it's I love it. I look that's at it a, and it's just like on my wall and it gives me dopamine hits when
0: right. I need it. Yeah. That and I cover like that you still have it too. Like it's that's the original copy. Oh, absolutely. That. Yeah. Yep. That's um am, that's amazing. And that cover for anybody who's never seen it, I'll put a link in the show notes. That I mean, if you've never seen, if you've not read the John Byrd Superman run, what are you doing? But that man just, that, how can you not buy that comic? That's so good! Oh man, that's awesome! Oh, amazing! So, Eric, big big shoes oh, to fill there. That's quite a story to live up to. Your, I know. Yours is like my dad is John Byrne. Suck it. That's <laughs> probably
1: what oh, you're gonna say. Look behind me at the, yeah, yeah. My wife rips her face off, and it turns out this whole time it was John Byrne, but a tiny, a tiny version of.
0: John tiny Byrne. version, John Byrne. Yeah.
1: No. No, I had a similar. Uh, story like as a kid like I was always drawn to comics I I like Will I still have the first comic or at least the first comic that I remember buying which was Detective Comics uh, 526. I don't know if you're familiar with it it was like the 500th appearance oh, yeah. of Batman and the thing that really affected me was I was way into the Adam West show like I was definitely you know, I remember the Spider-Man show but as far as like the world of comics like on that particular issue when you open that first single page book, on like this double page spread that shows all of batman's uh enemies as you know the title is all of my enemies against against me and i remember like just being blown away that there was all of this other world through through um through comics that you know you weren't getting on uh, on the show so from that point on i just sort of became really obsessed with comics and I made a lot of my own stuff. I, I, there's like really embarrassing notebooks of like characters that I was creating with like these elaborate, really like overthought backstories with maps of the solar system and like who lived on what planet. And they were all just like knockoffs of whatever, G.I. Joe or Dungeons and Dragons cartoon or whatever I was reading at the time. And I even went so far as to sell This is embarrassing. I would sell comics in grade school and I would set up like this. It's no uh, wonder that I was attacked by bullies frequently, but I remember like setting up my own little comic shop and I would just trade or sell books or whatever with people. So it's just been something that I was sort of always sort of into. But it wasn't until later, like I never really thought like oh well, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this or I'm gonna put books out and try to sell them until later until I was like in college and I read uh Doom Patrol it was the the case and Morrison Doom Patrol run and that was like oh this is this is absolutely amazing and these are sort of a different way of looking at um storytelling like that and that just led into Hate and ape ball and a bunch of those other books and by that point You know, for me as a writer, I drew a little bit, but it was never good enough to sort of do the stories. And luckily I met a friend of mine, Phil Sloan and we did a book Dead Horse together. And then Will Will and I, like that book was at 215 Inc where Will and his brother had a book. So that was like when the two of
0: us got together. Nice. And again, that wacky sitcom will be coming soon to the CW, right? Yeah. All they do yeah, is it's superhero be on the stuff. CW, yeah. I mean, they do superhero stuff. They do comic book stuff. So they might as well do a show about comic book creators, yep. I think.
1: And we have to get recast as just like younger, more attractive people. And uh, we could just be like... Maybe no, I'm playing younger. a high schooler. <laughs> <Was> that? <laughs> I'm going to play a high schooler.
2: Be damned the receding hairline.
1: Yeah, well that's true too. It'll be like pen fifteen, but like we'll just play ourselves. Exactly. That. Yeah, that's. Okay. I mean, That'd there's a show
0: right there. People heard it there first. I think that would be great. Well, that's awesome. I, I I love to hear that because I think we all, those of us who are comic fans, we all have that dream. You know, like you guys are living our dreams. You know, there's the. I don't know one comic book person who's like, no, it would really suck having my name on a comic. That would suck. No one ever says that who reads comics. Everyone wants that. So yeah, that's so th- cool.
1: Yeah, I think you have to because it's an it's an unforgiving business in that for most people, the cost both physically, financially, and everything to create a book far exceeds any of the money that's going to come in from that book. So you have to really love the art form and love storytelling in that manner to even get into it. You have to be sort of a little bit off because uh, a regular person would just look at, would just do the math and carry the, like, what what have you done? What, what are you, nuts? Um, so you need you like know, you AA medallions. Yeah. Just to say like,
2: yeah. I've I've been in two years. I've been in five years. I'm a decade, okay? Yeah, right. Like, and just like your your love of comics completely matches the like you've been in.
0: And then yeah. the, the final chip is the Alan Moore chip. And then you're done. Right,
3: yeah. and then you hit comments,
0: and you're out. <laughs> right, then yeah. you, you get everything to the that you did your whole life. Yep, that's okay. Look at, I mean, we we haven't even talked about Goblin, but we've created this TV show for the CW, <laughs> and a whole new series of of merchandise for your for the Grissom and Perkins website. So, um, so I I love this book. Um, what we're going to talk you. about, Goblin. I loved it. I'm a, as I said, I'm a I'm an English teacher, and um, I read, I read anything, whatever you can give me. And so um, I I read middle grade stuff. I read adult stuff, young adult stuff. I don't care if it's a good story; it's worth reading to me. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think the best stories are the ones like you were saying earlier, Eric. The best stories are the ones where you aren't like you aren't saying, "I am going to set out to do a middle." It's like you let the story tell itself. When you're all done, you're like, "Oh, we could give this to a twelve year old. Cool." So that's the, that's the, before we get into a couple of the themes that we're going to be totally spoiler free here, everybody, other than the book is called Goblin and it is about a goblin. So that I don't think is giving too much away. Um, It isn't like, that's not a secret, but I want to be spoiler free because I want, this is a new book and I want people to go out and get it. So, but what was the impetus? How did you guys go from, as you said, here's Gregory's suicide. Let's do Goblin. What was the, where was the trigger there? It was like, we need to tell this a totally different kind of uh, story. Uh, for me,
1: for me, like the initial idea came sort of in parts. So I was listening to a lot of the Suspiria soundtrack by the band Goblin, and I have like a list of like things I things I want to have a title for. So I'll have like a random thing, and I had Goblin. I was like, one day I'm gonna do something called Goblin. And then fast forward to like I I was playing a lot of Skyrim. And in Skyrim, you're usually a human or some kind of uh, adventure, some race, and you go to these caves and you go to these villages or even in Legend of Zelda, if you're Link, you'll just kill these monsters and you take their loot. Uh, Link's a little crazy. He'll just walk into someone's house and smash pots and take their rupees or whatever. But when I was playing Skyrim, it was, you know, you're killing all these people and you're taking the the gold you're taking their stuff and like what does that look like from the perspective you know of the goblin uh or the monster that there's here's this you know quote unquote hero coming and now i'm all alone so it was like oh this would make sort of an interesting tale of what if this person went seeking revenge or you know if they wanted to stop the person that's you know more traditionally a hero and that was sort of that idea that was like oh Goblin would make a great title because I always wanted to do that and for me it was like I'll try it as a book and I was thinking I was going to do it as more of like a prose thing with some light illustrations and I can't remember Will exactly when if we were talking about this while we were still doing Gregory Suicide or if it was shortly after but Will really like right after like the idea (laughs) and we just you know decided to turn it into a, a graphic novel.
2: You know, it was it was directly after Gregory's suicide wrapped. And like, you know, any, when you're working on something, you're working 24 seven, then you get like a week of, oh, I'm pretty, I'm done working. And it's like, all right, well, what's the next, what's the next yeah. thing? Because otherwise I'm a lazy piece of shit. What's the
1: next project? Right, <laughs> right. Once I get like an idea for something too, I'll, I'll like get very obsessive about it. And then just start, it just starts fueling and you start finding different paths and way, ways in. And Will and I have very similar uh interest in that sort of period of of time like in the 80s the fantasy epic that we don't see as much anymore so you had like the dark crystal and you had legend and you had excalibur and you had and that Crow. for me that was like my my sweet spot as a kid i was obsessed with all of that stuff and wills a big dungeons and dragons tabletop player and for me it was the dungeons and dragons endless quest books so all of that stuff and the Dungeons and Dragons cartoon, sort of, I've always loved that idea and that world of doing a fantasy thing. And that just all poured into, into the book.
0: That's awesome. That's sweet. So Will, because, so Eric's got this idea, you guys start talking about it. Did you just instantly start? Cause I know on the, on the uh, credits, Eric, you did the letters, which at the end I wanted, I have a few technical questions. I'm just curious about that. But you also are listed, you designed it, but then obviously Will did the art and the colors. So what does that mean, I guess? And how does that work? Are you like, because you're obviously writing the script, you went from a prose novel to a script. So then are you like, I kind of want him to look like this and then boom, or you're like design the world and then let Will fill in the world?
1: Well, in terms of just like in the technical speak of the design. That is the book design and the book layout and okay. s- those kind of things and not necessarily the design of the character models or anything like that. Although Will, Will and I are going back and forth on on that kind of stuff. And I'm sure Will can uh, uh, attest to a, what I can be like, because uh, I, get, I get, can get specific about stuff. But yeah, no, that is specifically book design and not Will's the sort of designing the characters.
0: Fair, that's right. totally fair. So how does that work for you then, Will? Because it's like Goblin, it's when you hear Goblin, you're like, hey, let's do a fantasy story. There's some preconceived notions that come with that. So what is your challenge then to tell a story? And this is a really express every, we have some expressive Goblin action in this, which I love, I love his face, I love everything about him. So, So that can't be easy to do because as you said, Eric, you're taking what you normally think is the bad guy of the story and making him the hero. Putting him on a literal hero's journey throughout the story. And yet you have to make him lovable, Will. So, how do you, what was that like in your mind? You're like, dude, you want the bad guy to be the good guy and I got to make him cute. And there's a dog. Awesome. <laughs>
2: there's, there's a, there were thousands of drawings. Like I just kept drawing him and kept drawing, and kept drawing him. And, uh, Luckily, like Eric came from a very specific city, like he sent me Legend. And it's just like, you have to watch this movie. I was like, I've seen it before. It's like, no, you gotta, you gotta own this movie, <laughs> rewatch it.
0: You gotta become Tim Curry. And, you gotta- and
2: which I, I love, you go online, they're like, you know what the best, the best version of Legend is to watch, just mute it.
1: <laughs> right. Well on the Blu-ray they so, have like a version of that where you, it's just, just the, music. the soundtrack. It's just the music and the visual. Awesome.
2: So, uh, you know, the goblins in that movie are horrific, right? And I, I started at that point, And like when he told me the story, when I started reading the script, I saw them almost like Jim Henson puppets, right? Uh, oh, dark okay. crystal. So trying to marry the two. And the more, the, the more I drew, like I, I, the adult goblins, I could find that balance but this main character I kept coming back and I kept softening him and Eric could be like more grotesque be like okay and I'd start softening him again until finally it's like you know you find that medium where it's like no he's this is an aesthetically unattractive creature but it still has to emote it still has to be a, a, a vessel for you as the reader like so you want to get to that middle ground right almost in my head you're watching a movie and I, you know you almost want to see the hand puppeting this character through the world and you just kind of slowly whittle it down until you've landed someplace you're like well, i could draw that a couple thousand times
1: yeah i would and, say he is adorable though oh well I love if it. i'd him to be rick As i would say rick is completely adorable I oh think i think he wasn't yeah oh and yeah I, i'll i'll just add to this like i want like i was like he's got to be ugly and, and like will saying i'm giving him the the goblins from legend and really pushing it because i wanted you know the that to be such a you know the juxtaposed against like the you know who he is as a person but will anything he draws is is, is just cute and wonderful and he was saying this we have to be able to show him a moat in order to connect with him and so the the choice that Will made there made it a much better story. Because I think for everything you said, all of that emotion and all that stuff that you're reading off of this phase was absolutely necessary to get the book that we had. And had it been sort of what I had been pushing for, I don't think it would have worked
0: as well. Yeah, I'm just scrolling through some of the images as you're talking, because I love it. And when, when I, his ears, like when you mentioned the emoting, the ear action. And I know that just seems like such a silly thing to say, but you tell so many stories with his ears. Was that a conversation that two of you guys had, or was that just a choice you made? Well, where your Eric's like, I need to be I, sad. And you're like droopy your ears here.
2: I know. Like there are certain things. It's like a balance. For, like I've, I've given him these set of features. Now, how do I manipulate those features to emote? You know, it can't all just be like looking in the mirror and doing stuff. So it's like, we talked a lot about, uh, because the wolf pup that's in the, yeah. in the story, this breath, you know, you awesome. need yeah. most animals. Most animals use their ears to communicate in some way. So I just kind of would go through and picture this, you know, this creature skulking through the, the mystical forests of uh, Evonia, and and being able to sit there and be like, all right, well, you know, I can, I can, I can cheat a lot with these big old ears when I have to broadcast things and almost use them like a, a second level of acting. When I can just instead of just having every single character screaming or looking doe eyed or something, you know.
0: Yeah, it works. It works really well too. I think it helps tell the story that you're telling, Eric. I think that with with the way that he, with Rick and his the way he is when he's angry, even mm-hmm. his ears have an angry position. And by the time you get towards the end of the book, before I read the words, I know where he is emotionally. And so I think that's such, right. it, that works. That works really well. And um, you Thank did tell you did tell a hero's journey here, guys. And so, mm-hmm. but it is you did choose to make your main character a child on a on a re, on a revenge but not really and so that's one of the themes I want to talk about a little bit is is a revenge tale like as somebody like myself who likes a good action movie and who likes a good you know bloodbath and a, like I'm enjoying Matt Kent and Ken Reeves berserker as much as anybody that is I mean as soon as I heard Matt Kent was involved I'm like yes please right. um but I also like that's just Uh, you know, it's, it's almost obscene. It's so bloody. And I'm fine with that. You made this relatively bloodless as, as you made it about a child. So the idea of let's tell a revenge story, but also have the, the, the the person doing the revenge is a kid. And so what, why did you think that was an important theme to deal? Like, how is a kid reading this supposed to be like, I'm mad sometimes. You mean, was that part of it as Mm -hmm. we're writing it? Um, Um, I'll shut up. I'm just rambling, please. No,
1: no, 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 no. Um, it's hard. Most of the stuff that that I come up with story wise are, are almost all based on intuition and and sort of where I think that the thing needs to go while I'm doing it. And I, I'm the same way. Like I love I love John Wick. Like I I love a great revenge story. So this is this is almost always what happens. Is I'll start and it'll be like oh, and then it'll be this hardcore violent, hyper violent thing but that's not the stories I tell. And like, I, I found myself less interested in that story because I feel like there's plenty of that story and who he ended up being and the journey that he ended up taking. That's just sort of where the story wanted to end up. and when when will and i first did the pitch the pitch was a lot more violent in the opening cha- in the opening scenes without spoiling too much about what happens it was much more violent and and brutal but then everything that 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 happens in the the current book happens and it was like well why are we front loading like the story really isn't about the violence it it is about revenge but it's also about the choices you make when you're presented with that and it doesn't have to go the way it always seems to go because yeah. there's no real reward in that anyway so there was no real learning process so it it wasn't so much thinking oh well this will be for kids or or to take that stuff down it was more that it just it wanted to be the way it ended up yeah going. there was a there was like
2: a cognitive dissonance when we were making it we're like we're, we're being pulled towards the dark crystal but we kept putting in this graphic imagery and it's just like Something wasn't working and something wasn't working. And, and finally, when we made the shift and we we're just like, why are we not doing the thing we love? Like, why are we not writing? Like, why are we not creating this in the in the the tempo and the style that we're aiming for? And then as soon as we did, it just took off. And it was just it was it was so it was it was easy to see the story and kind of because the, the the genre kind of set itself around the idea.
0: I think I think it works really well. And I am curious too about I, I find that um that when you use a kid as a main story as as the storyteller as the main as the main protagonist, you obviously there's a couple of ways you can go and be like, well, that is a book for children, or it's a book about children. And this is both. This is a book about a child and it's a book for kids. Like you can hand this to pretty much anybody and, mm-hmm. and they'll be in safe shoes. But how much of it was this commentary on adolescence a little bit i mean rick is he's not a teenager necessarily but he's also not seven you know it's like uh yeah he's right on the
1: edge of uh you know on his 13th birthday tech you know that that is where i imagine it so he's he's right on that cusp of of changing and so all of the angst and all of the anger and all of my parents don't know you know what they're talking about and i know how to you know that's something every kid goes through. I have kids myself so I'm I'm on the front lines of that now on the other side of of the fence. So I mean all of that was 100% fueled in and there's something the book is about change and I think that that's such a huge part of any human's life is is what we go through when you when you you know become an adult.
0: I agree. I totally agree and I think it is definitely I think growing, I mean, you know, we always, I keep, I've keep. i said it four times already, you know, this is a traditional hero's journey, but I think uh, turning into like going from being 10 to 15, mm-hmm. that's a hero's journey. And you said, yeah. you know, everybody's, yeah. that part sucks, everybody. You all remember like, <laughs> if I could go back and be a kid, you wouldn't do it because you wouldn't no. want to be 13 again because that sucked. It In the moment, you're like, oh man, I didn't have a job and that was awesome and my parents fed me. But you're also like in your head, all you know is, everything is the worst thing ever or the best thing ever. And so I think you you guys managed to capture that really well. Um, and I think it was a smart choice to tell a story through the eyes of someone we can all relate to. And while Richt is a boy, because he's a goblin, it's I think anybody could pick this up, boy, girl, yeah. non-binary, and could see a little bit of him or her themselves in Richt. Was that an intentional character choice <laughs> too?
1: Yeah, well, as, as far as like the age thing you said, I think it is officially rated ten and up. But yeah, this we we sort of always thought this would be for anyone for for any age. But mm-hmm. your other question was was it an intentional choice for the for the age or yes, for the... well, not
0: just the age, but almost like the age and a bit of androgyny there. You know, it's not like you're not looking at him and saying like that's a boy goblin. Yeah. you know, like you don't that was... know. Right. Yeah. We wanted I mean,
1: them to to be not like the opposite of the humans that you see. So something some something more natural and not even thinking in the same sort of binary terms of the human side of the civilization that is very rigid. And there's there's scenes with with merchants that are very into the items and and collection and sort of like a materialism. So. It, it needed to feel sort of not otherworldly because it's not from space, but more something from, from the natural, from the natural elements.
2: Yeah. It, I mean, it, when, when I was drawing, I was trying to not fall into like a lot of the stuff in the book, not fall into those easy crutches or those like, you know, and, and, these are entire species and entire cultures that exist and that and that we want to have the space to, to decide those things for it, but also that it's an incredibly limiting thing on a story that is otherwise universal.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. I, I, I love that about it. I mean, if we didn't know, you know, And you, and that's the thing, you're telling a story, you didn't write it in Goblin, you didn't create a language, you're, you didn't go full Gene Roddenberry on right. it. And just, you know, which, uh, and I thank you for that. I remember- Give us time. Yeah, <laughs> give you time. Great, I can't wait for the, uh, for the it's, Perkins it's, English the, to The Goblin. sequel
1: will be like the Simularian, completely dense and unreadable, but everyone will put it on their shelf. You're like, <laughs> I'll get to like, that one day.
2: <laughs> there, is, there is something about being a teenager that is completely universal no matter who you are about the feeling like uh, basically I'm not heard and nobody wants me around. The world feels like completely disinterested in me completely and beating your head against that is a part of coming of age and oh, sure. and being able to make Rick as just broadly designed and and while still being a unique individual was uh I felt it in the script. Like, you know, you, you get to like page 10. It's like we haven't, we haven't referred to this character as a as a he or she or anything like that. It's just you just you just develop a character.
0: Yeah. And it, I, I just think it's just so lovely. I enjoyed reading. I've read it a couple of times since you guys sent it to me. Oh, cool. Um because it awesome. was it's one of those things where I'm a I'm a reader first, like I'm a book reader first, like these behind me. Or my Jane, one of my six Jane Austen collected novels around the house. These are on the wall behind me. So I like books. I like words. Um, but so I'm always a word first reader. Even with comics, I always read the story and then you know. Then I'm like I read that page. I absorb it and then I kind of look at the pictures. But I needed to like go through the entire thing a second time since because it is so what you're doing will like there's layers and layers and like just the choice of. There's a there there's several characters where you can maybe speech bubbles, different characters or different colors. And, and so it's like you're acknowledging, hey, these are different people. They're speaking a different languages so There's just like a lot of little subtleties that I wanted to go back through and look at a second time. Plus, it's just delightful. So everybody should read it and then read it again and hand it off to somebody and say, you should read this. Yes. Don't hand it off. Buy it for someone <laughs> else. Don't just hand yeah, them. Buy it and read answer. it twice. Buy it and read it twice. That's what you should do. But anyway, so I just I enjoyed it too because I do think um. There is a there is a universality about it. and It's funny because just yesterday somebody said, oh, I'm going to cover Stephen King adaptations on my show. What's your favorite? And uh, for me, it was Stand By Me because I was 13 when that movie came out. And that, you know, they're Mm -hmm. this and that. are And as I was getting ready to talk to you guys today, thinking about Stand By Me yesterday, I'm like, well, that is this. Right. I mean, that's why that story is so good. That's why this story is so good is because you're on. Again, every day is an adventure. And so I, what I love that you do, and I'm just curious about the idea behind, um, you you mentioned, Eric, that it's a story about change and we get to see the change. And again, not to give too much away, but at the end, there's an epilogue. Um, mm-hmm. and, I'm not, and in general, epilogues, I'm like, eh, why do we need that? But in your case, we totally need it. So I guess my question about the epilogue and the way you kind of do like timey-wimey stuff with the way that he um, grows in this, what was your rationale to say we need a we need to be able to? This is the English teacher in me, so just tell right. me I'm totally wrong. I'm saying you're you're them in the epilogue. You're looking back with this clear-headed knowledge of what happened, and or misinterpreting what happened, and that's what we all do. And that at the end, this epilogue is saying everything that you think you just saw, you maybe saw it the wrong way because everybody has their own way to see it. Ramble. I'll stop. Sorry, I get excited about this stuff.
1: Tell me, yeah. if I, tell tell me where I'm wrong, please. Uh, how do I how do I answer that? I think like for the. I don't know. I have mixed feelings even about the epilogue, especially like there's a title that puts a set of years down, which was a note that I had gotten, and then I at one point it wasn't there it was was not there. But I to me it I, I can't talk about the end about it too much without spoiling oh, okay. sort of the ending. There's- but I w- wanted to establish. I don't know how do i will you can you it's like
2: i'll try a little bit but they cut me off i I, there's a certain amount of any good any any story you love you know you want to you want to tell the reader like it's about the story it's about the story it's about the granular road this character's on but of course it's not you know there's always more to it there's always there's always intention there's there's what eric was going through when he wrote it there was what i was going through while i drew it and everything after the fact and then you have eric lettering it after that even uh there's a certain amount of of uh what matters is the message not necessarily the timeline i think
1: And one thing, just to to clarify, too, on your point, like, so you're sort of wondering, like, why is the epilogue there to sort of show that maybe people see the world differently?
0: Correct, yeah. Not only do, like, to me, I just thought it was such a... no. Again, normally I'm not a big epilogue fan, but the reason I like this epilogue is because you guys are adults writing about a teenager. i was just thinking about, you know, this Mm is one of my favorite Stephen King books and movies about being a teenager, and we all have those things about that time in our life that we look back on, again, not that we want to go back and be 13 again, that we look back and we can see that for what it is, but we also see it for what we thought it was. And I feel like the epilogue is telling us, the reader, to look back on not just your life, but this story in every way that you possibly can. Let me take a
2: a second shot at it. I I feel (laughs) as though, it's because there are certain things I really don't want to talk about, but what you're hitting on an important part is that like part of growing up and part of, especially this story is that, is that it's, it's going to suck, you know, bad things are going to happen and it's going to suck. And when you're in the middle of it, it's really, really hard to see that there's going to be any benefit to this, that there is a positive outcome, even when the outcome is negative, or if you make a hard choice, whether or not that hard choice is going to be worth it for you, let alone the world you leave yourself in. Um, I think the epilogue is important to kind of pull back a little bit and kind of get, get a wider, you know, we're, we stay very tight on Rick the entire time and we get his perspective of the universe. If we didn't have that epilogue, you don't really get the universe's look back in on
0: him. Yeah, I think that's I, important. I think that that's totally right. And I don't think we spoiled anything. Eric, did we spoil
1: anything? No, no, no. And and also, like, I'm also hesitant because I hate talking about what these things mean, especially to me, because I feel like I take away all the... Like, if I say, oh, this is exactly what... And it's some dumb thing or who knows whatever (laughs) it was, then it's no longer that thing for you. You know, I I love the ambiguity of it. And I love that you can read it and then come away with this thing and someone else may read it and come away with something else and i don't want to mess too much yes. with the, the magic of the thing and that's you know, that like i'm sense. the first
2: i'm the first reader so like that is my my wash on it and that's kind of the beauty of it or it's like yeah like eric's job is to tell the story in his own way and then yeah i that's how i kind of laid on top of
0: it nice yeah, At least I. Think I- we're Go on. All talking, we were all talking at the same time. No, I was just yeah, saying, I love, I love that. And I, I think you saying that, Will, is really fascinating is that you are the first reader. And so, you know, like I got it before it came out. So I feel super. Of course, duh. Yeah. This is your interpretation <laughs> of his words first. That's amazing. I, I just it, like that. That's
2: awesome. That's the, that's the fun part. Like, like Eric has a very, very clear view of the story, the world, all that stuff. And, and guardrails, you know, so like my interpretation is limited in that like we will come up with something and then we'll discuss it. And he'll, you know, if it, if it strays from his view and his intention, we have to pull it back. But but yeah, that's the beauty of comics is that there is that kind of like a game of telephone between us of just like, okay, now I'm going to funnel this through yep. 20 years of Jim Henson. <laughs>
1: My dogs sit there they want to it's get it. It's just in on fish press yes, saying they it. disagree. <laughs> <Harumph>. <laughs> I'm
0: leaving that, happens that in every I'm time the, that in.
1: every time the mail comes. That's every awesome. time the mail comes.
0: I want to leave that in if you don't care because I just think that's awesome. Oh no, no, I don't care. I'll cut but, it I, We've
1: done sure. so we've done so many of these now. This is not the first time. Okay. Now. So now <laughs> it's like if my dogs aren't there, that, that that's usually a warning. It's a weird type. show. I'm, yeah I'm not where I should be.
0: Yeah. So anyway, I agree with what you were saying, Well, I think that's, I think that's, fair. and again, like I said, from my perspective, just as a teacher who's, who I'm always looking at things and analyzing things and saying to my students, you know, like, don't be, I, I don't ever want to be that English teacher who's like, it can only mean one thing because you'll, you'll be wrong. Yeah. Um, and you, and so you are, but that's actually where you and Will, you and Eric have the conversation because Eric could be like, no, you're wrong. <laughs> I, I don't want it to look like that because well, I need it to be this.
2: And like, I, I, went to, I, was in, I went to college to be an English professor as well before I abandoned it. And be response was my favorite thing. The concept of just what you bring to something is just as important as what the writer gave you. And that is, that's kind of the line you always want to strike, right? You don't, you don't want to clearly define things and, and, and cut the reader out of the process. But you want, to, you want to kind of lead them on a path where they might look back at you and kind of give you
0: something else. No, I think that's, that's awesome. All right. And I know we. I want to be respectful of everybody's time. So I have some technical questions before we do our wrap up. So mm-hmm. we'll start with Eric, as we talked about twice, you lettered this. So that mm-hmm. Will already gave that part away. You lettered it last. So I'm just curious, technically, how much of your own script changed as you were lettering your own Oh, book? so
1: much, so much. So I letter pretty much everything. I've lettered everything I've written so far. Um, so for me, it's like the script that Will gets... It's almost like still a draft at that point. Um, it's it's obviously i've I've worked on it a number of times, so it's not a rough draft, but it's sort of like a working script. And then it goes through will and and will makes it wonderful. And then once I have the art, I'll see either lines that I don't need anymore, or maybe the art I need needs a couple of extra things to make this idea clearer. Um, So I almost always rewrite. I rewrite to the very bitter end um, where I'm constantly in like, will contest like when I'm exporting Mm -hmm. like these PDFs that are like versions of the book, as we're producing it, he'll read it again. Like, well, this scene is totally different because it's so good though. You'll get inspired by different things or, and and especially with comics that is not just one artist, one writer being the same person is he's, Will's going to do something that's going to, open up a new possibility or you know I think I feel like I'm so privileged in that I can I can write and and letter my own things like I can't imagine what it would be like to work at like a another company with another letterer because I would feel so guilty sending them changes all like oh I gotta change mm-hmm. this and then like that must be a nightmare because but- then you have to I guess I'll live with it and then you don't get the thing you want and Ugh, that would be terrible but yeah I don't know. so that's I, that the, the lettering is all the balloons and all that stuff for people that may not know and that's when i first
2: started in, when i first started in comics i had a, had a, an artist friend of me being like you letter in your own books like yeah and he's like good <laughs> like and now work working with eric on these two things oh my god i don't ever want to do that like the, i got the physical copy of the book and read through it and it's just like all these little things that are different and every single page it's just like Oh, it's just like a culmination and just like, Oh no, this is the, this is it. This is totally different from where we started, but it's the same. And it's, it's just right.
1: I, it love it. I would never want that
2: responsibility. It.
1: I like it a lot just because you're also controlling sort of where the, you can sort of guide the reader's eye around the page and you can add in beats and you can mess with the pacing and things like that. Whether you have, dialogue really close together or spread out or size of things size of the balloons or the colors that you mentioned to to differentiate when different people are are talking so I would I would I love that especially at least on my own stuff I love to work at that step because it is it's like you see the wonderful art and you have the story down and now you're just sort of doing like a last edit you know if you were cutting something together
0: yeah because there's some there's some places will where you like to think of it in those ways so when you guys read this will you colored it too so you drew it then mm-hmm. you colored it right so you drew the whole thing or did you color each page as you did it
2: i i think i drew the whole thing
0: yeah i think like I, I,
2: it's it's been so long now uh
1: you might have I, done it you may have done it will in, in in like half the book right and then maybe did a little I, color on half think, and then did the back half
2: what i did is i i i laid out the entire book I then penciled and inked through the book. And once I hit, I think uh, page 60, let's say, then while I, in the mornings, I would basically warm up by flatting the book. And it's just like trying to have the two things moving simultaneously. Um, But yeah, just kind of, that way I can continually update files to Eric and he can then be lettering Then as we're going, kind of adjust. So you're not really totally committed until that final export.
1: Yeah, the amount of work that Will did is mind boggling like just when, when you see how gorgeous the book is but thinking that he's doing the pencils and then the the inking and then the the um
0: the coloring
4: it's really it is,
0: nuts. It is well and that's the thing too is that's what i was going to get to where there's a few you know i mean there's tons of pages where it's like so you're getting eric a blank page and and will you kind of have to hope you've left enough space for the letters. And so I just think it's such a cool process to hear that. I think technically people think about that. because So when you're reading this book, I want you to look, there are some pages where the facial expressions say everything and those words are tied with that. But then Eric, you're seeing it, you're like, oh, I have to punctuate this differently because the facial expression in this page doesn't work with the original thing. That's so awesome.
1: Yep. Or there's like not enough space in a panel and I've got some long winded you know, (laughs) dialing, it's like, okay, well, I could cut this down both, you know, for visually, but also, you know, for for the story or whatever. But yeah, you doing that kind of stuff, again, it must be so hard uh, to work with another letter and not feel awful about yourself. Will's very good with, because when he does his pencils, he'll always draw in where he thinks the balloons will go, which at least allows for space, because sometimes occasionally i'll letter other people's books and you don't know sometimes you get the art you don't always have any room to to put the stuff in and you're like oh god i don't know what i'm gonna do with this thing Which but will's great think, with that
2: i mean that's part that's part of the job right that's the 101 we're like if if you're not doing that you're not doing the job and and that's the best part is like when you're when you're working, especially back and forth, like you said, there's not a third person who's being worked for hire. Like we're both as committed to this thing as possible. You can sit there and say like, oh, this is really great, but can you lose these two superfluous figures in the front so that I can put some bubbles? Like, so I can drop that in. Like, absolutely. Go in, wipe them and start over.
1: Yeah. Will and I have a really good relationship, you know, as friends, but also having this been our second book, because I feel like we learned a Mm -hmm. ton doing Gregory's suicide together, which was, you know, the, what we did before.
0: Yeah. And again, when you guys are coming soon on the CW, everybody can see how it all works out. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. So, uh, well, so this is a question, Eric, before you jumped on. And I know, so it just want to spend like two or three minutes on this sure. before yep. you guys tell everybody where you're, where they can find you online is you guys are putting this out as a book instead of an individual issues. Do you think that is the, the future of indie comics are going to be standalone graphic novels as opposed to this being, this is 188 pages, so this could have easily been a seven, eight issue mini. Do you you think the future for a mini series are this instead of individuals? Or did you guys try to sell it as an individual and decided just where do you think the future of the indie market is as an indie guy?
1: Speaking for myself, like for me, the future is graphic novels. It's just the format I like the most. I'm definitely a person that thinks in a big structure with a clear start and, a, and an end. And I like the completeness of the package. Um, I think for an in, independent person that maybe does not a big name or is not gonna be able to move a, a huge amount of units, it's more practical because you can create a graphic novel if you're lucky enough to find you know, the right artist that is sort of evergreen that you can bring to conventions or bring to signings or sell on your website. That's one unit that you can order and then reprint whenever you want, as opposed to having, cause I've done single issues where I have 400 copies of number three, but number one's out of print. And then when you're selling in the show, someone's like, well, where's number one? Well, I can't afford to print number one because until I sell all these number threes. Um, so you're stuck with that. So I just like that format. You know, I, I like the robots. monthly thing, but it's for me, this, this is where I feel most comfortable.
2: Like, I'm, I'm a little too precious with, with things, especially when it comes to comic books. I don't, I was, you know, I don't like, I don't like floppies that, that feather out and open, but the idea of, being able to have a book and just give it to somebody, hand it to them, they can throw it in a bag, it's, it's it's just a it's it's a, a nicer product sometimes, but I think it's like there's enough room for all of it. It just depends on the yeah, audience, really. Like absolutely. you were saying earlier, like uh, a character, a well-known character, something like Buffy, something that has that has that fan base. Why not have it be serialized and keep it's part of the community, right? You know, staying in constant contact with them. But for these stories, you would almost it was a floppy. You end up spending so much time reminding people what happened a month prior and then recapping and then projecting what's going on the next one. You're not telling the story story. It kind of, it kind of breaks that flow into these peaks and valleys that where you might be able with, with this format, at least Eric is able to kind of paint these longer uh, inclines and then dips and valleys. It's really nice.
1: One thing that I add, I think the, floppy or the single issue certainly not going anywhere because I think there is a future for independent people especially when you don't have a lot of money to do one shots or self-contained 22 page books or whatever that you can print and then it's almost like you're you're selling like a seven inch or something that's you know it's because not everyone can do a graphic novel I mean we're talking about years of work that go into it and all the costs for for publishing it. It's just that the the longer series I feel is just not as easy to support when you're not uh, either well-known or, or coming from a larger publisher.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I, cause there's a couple that we were talking off there. Jason Howard's big girls, I just thought was almost perfect. And it got six issues. I don't know if he's going to get, I know I talked to him. I know he's got more story. Mm-hmm. I super want it. So if, if it doesn't end up coming out as a monthly, hopefully image will be like, okay, just go ahead and do the next one. We'll drop it as volume two, just as one collection. You know, I just, plus the other thing mm-hmm. for you guys, your your chapter lengths can vary. You didn't have to say, yeah. this chapter has to be 22 pages. I know, like, and I love six. that. I yeah. love
1: that the chapters as long as it needs to be. And, yeah. and that kind of freedom is, is wonderful. I mean, although we certainly had a, they gave us a certain amount of pages with some extra pages for like back. And I don't, if you've seen the PDF, that's pretty much how the book is. We used every inch of the thing, and we just basically mm-hmm. maxed it out. And I would have taken another ten pages uh, if they would have gave it. us. Yeah. We we're like, no, enough.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Just fair like whatever it luxury. takes. Yeah. yeah, it's awesome. Well, so the final question. So here's the thing. We've kind of t- touched on this. Who is this? Who would you recommend this to? And then um, then you tell everybody where they can find you on the interwebs and how they can buy this book. I'm gonna link to the Goodreads. That's where I always go because Goodreads. Mm-hmm. Gives you all the bookstores and your local public library. So remember, even if you are a person who like, I don't have twenty bucks. Hey, their library has twenty bucks. Convince them to buy it.
1: Yes, please ask your library. <laughs> yeah, I would love to be in more libraries. And to my understanding, I guess the, you know the the libraries themselves do the ordering.
0: They do. So, my wife's yeah, a librarian. So, I know. Yeah. I so I know.
1: if yeah. you <laughs> ask, if you if you want to see this book, please, I'd love to be in more and more libraries and Absolutely. Goodreads too. If you if you get the book, and I hope you do. Leave us a review because that goes a long way too. Yeah, I it loved means. it.
0: Yeah. So who do you think who do you think should uh, read this and then tell everybody your social medias? You go first, Eric, because I know we're on a tighter. For me, I schedule. feel like
1: this is for um, you know anybody that enjoys spending more time in the woods uh, than maybe uh, around other people. Perfect book for you. Like <laughs> if you're if you're if you're more comfortable with no one else around, uh, yes, this is this is for you. Um, what was the second part? Oh, where can they get it? Or yeah, where yeah. Find? So, where Realm can they of find Goblin, you? Yeah, yeah. Realm of Goblin is the book sort of website that we put to, put together. So it's got all the pre order links. It's got trailers, and it has a Dungeons and Dragons game that we put together as well. So if you play any kind of tabletop thing, there's a um, a fifth edition sort of one shot that you can download. That's free. Um, if you want to check out the world. Uh, and then my personal Twitter is egrissom on Twitter and egrissom on Instagram and ericgrissom.com
0: for the website. Awesome. Mr. Perkins? Uh,
2: who is this book for? Everyone.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, anyone who likes
2: escapism, anybody who who uh, you know likes a good st- a good road story about self discovery, but yeah, that, that escapism and that kind of that, that heartfelt all ages feeling that Jim Henson used to give us in the seventies and 80s that it's been kind of missing. Um, for me personally, you can find me at, at Dill Gherkins on Twitter, uh, Will Perkins comics on Instagram. Um, but other than that, who who else who else do we want to read this thing,
1: Eric? Well, St- Steve Orlando did say he described it as Bambi meets legend. And I think that kind of Yeah, there we go. It.
0: Orlando. Nice. That's a good that's a good it's that's gonna of, be on the cover, your, I assume. Yeah. Um, if you like
1: um yeah, if you like those those films that that uh that we'll just mention, definitely. If you if you like Dark Crystal, I think you would, you would oh, find a home here. Or absolutely. Legend of Zelda. Yeah. A lot of, any of, a lot of our love yeah. of those things are in it. Yeah.
0: All right, well, I appreciate you guys so much. And so everybody, you're going to go to the links. All those links will be in the show notes. Go to those, buy this book, tell your friends, tell your local library to buy yes, it. This please. belongs in there. I hope when the pandemic is almost over, you guys, you should be out in middle schools doing presentations, talking about this book. That needs to happen without a doubt. Yeah, um, I'll do it. You'll do it. Will said he'll do it. So I'll see I'll see <laughs> what there. I can do. I'll come That's down now. to the red bag. That's right. All right. Well, thanks. thank you both so much. Well, I hope you had a great time with Eric and Will. Uh, That is an excellent book. You guys should get on that. So this is coming out on June 3rd. And so by now, this book already is in your local comic shop. So if you're a local comic shop person, you go and you get this book. And if you're a bookstore person and you want to order it from Amazon or from Barnes & Noble or you want to go to your local bookshop or go to bookshop.org, you can do that and it'll be out next week. So we're splitting the difference. Go get this book. Follow that link on Goodreads. This has been a delight. Thanks, guys. I hope this is the big success that it deserves to be. Okay. Well, I want to welcome everybody uh, to this little promo that we're adding on to the show to talk about something new, a new Kickstarter. This will run through the month of June. And then when everybody listening goes and supports this Kickstarter, and after you hear about it, you're totally going to want to. Then in the end of July, when this book is in everybody's hot little hands. They're going to come back on. And we'll do the regular long deep dive that we do on this show. So I want to welcome Jonathan Stevenson and Luke Balmer-Kemp. And Luke, the reviews are great for this. So it's already done. Um, so why don't we tell everybody a little bit about
3: what this is? Okay. Um, we've been sort of struggling a little bit to, to you know, <laughs> with our elevator pitch. But I think you, you can kind of sum it up. It's, it's the A-Team meets the BGS. It's Sold. Um, <laughs> done right there. That is the elevator pitch. We're done. <laughs> when well, the um, the the creator of Elephant Men and uh, the founder of Comic Craft, Richard Starkings, he he kind of he he put it very nicely. Uh, he said it's it's a love letter to the 70s wrapped up as an 80s summer blockbuster. So yeah, hopefully that gives you know people a, a kind of feel of the 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 fun that we've that we've really tried to to put into this. That's a great elevator pitch.
0: Luke, tell everybody um, how you got involved in this project. First, tell everybody what it's called and um, how you guys came up with this.
4: Oh, our project's called The Disco Nauts, And oh, it is it is a heck of a, a lot of fun, really. Uh, I've I got I kind of going to so Jonathan worked at Titan. I was an intern there for a few months. Um, and we met there, we met just kind of walking day one in the office, saw, saw Jonathan, and then he saw me, uh, Drawn at my desk, came over, asked, you know, what I do. We had a few other projects that we did, and then, you know, the next thing is he's pitching this story about this uh, space crime-fighting disco team, and I just, I don't, I couldn't say no. I couldn't say no. Just the fun. It was never for me. The idea was it was very kind of sci-fi at the beginning, but then when when it progressed and the characters came, I drew the characters and then designed them. It became just this fun, as John said, like a love letter to old comic old comics old um old cartoon series as well like we grew up watching those kind of things it's yeah
0: it looks amazing the, the art you guys sent me and the it just looks stunning so let's talk about that jonathan so you so here you've got luke who's obviously an amazing artist and that the, even just in the stills i've seen in the few character sketches you've sent that that the amount of character the amount of understanding who these people are just by the looks on their faces is amazing so Let's talk about them a little bit. Let's talk about our main characters. How did that work? Because this is a creator-owned thing. Did you know who they wanted to be? Or once you saw what Luke was doing, you're like, I got these people in my brain, go make them live.
3: Uh, Yeah, it was a little bit of both. Um, Generally, they sort of, um, yeah, the ideas for each of the characters came to me, but they originally looked very different. Um, And I think at the start, Luke was trying to fit his art around what I'd asked for, and then eventually, I think he just kind of gave up and said, "No, I'm going to try this," and it worked much better than anything I had in my head. Um, but the actual, yeah, the personalities of the characters—that uh, was that was kind of me. That was all there. But yeah, how they look is completely down to Luke.
0: That's awesome! They look amazing. So, what? Let's just let's tell everybody. So, so the elevator pitch is. Is what you heard, and the Disco Knots is the best name ever. And I'm assuming, um, I'm hoping when you tell us all the cool things that there's going to be some sort of t shirt or some sort of logo or something I can get that says Disco Knots on it. Because even if you didn't read the comics and somebody had a shirt on that said Disco Knots, everybody would be like, I get you. I get what you're about with the shirt that says Disco Knots. That's amazing. So, um, so what is, who are these people and how do, how do they get where they're
3: going? Like what's,
0: we don't want to spoil anything obviously because the book's done. We just want to get people,
3: give them a tease. Disco 18, they they travel through space um, basically writing wrongs and uh, funking up bad guys. Um, so the, the leader is uh, this guy called the Boogie. Um, he's the guy in the purple suit. Yeah, he's like, the, he's the leader. Um, and then there's like the muscle of the of the group. He's called Dude Dynamite. Um uh, the, the, the brains of the outfit is like the little geeky one. Uh he's called the Whiz. Um then we have the, the, the pilot. Uh the greatest pilot in the galaxy is Star Fox. And then uh Kitty Cat completes the team. She's kind of the uh the not so much the muscle as the the one that you send in to kick some ass <laughs> that's her job she does to clean it she cleans it up
4: mm-hmm. yeah exactly nice
3: that's awesome and
0: so is this going to be an anthology series or is it going to be a story so is it like going to be like the a-team where it doesn't matter you could like season four episode two i mean that's the reason the a-team got bad at the end is because then they try to like remember when they got captured and worked for the government and then that was stupid so but forever they were just like soldiers of fortune and every week it didn't matter didn't matter which season you were on because the other than Murdoch's like weird, you know, quirky things, there was nothing that really there was no connective tissue. So, is it going to be like this, or is it? A, are we going to
3: follow them through an arc? What we we really like, uh, we we were trying to kind of emulate uh, and pay homage to older comics of the you know seventies. Um, and what I, I really like about those is you can find an old issue, pick it up, read it. You get a whole story, start to finish. You don't have to read the next four issues to see what happens. Um, So, yeah, we were going for that. So issue one is uh, a standalone story. Mm -hmm. If, uh, you know, if the Kickstarter goes well, there are three more issues that are completed. Uh, The second issue is a standalone and then three and four is a two-parter. And we don't really, if, you know, if if we're able to do this going forwards, we don't really want to go above um, a two-parter. We like that you get an issue, you you have a complete story. But having said that, there are there are threads throughout each issue um, that readers can pick up on, but you don't need that. You, you just, once you've got an issue, you've got a complete story, start to finish.
0: Nice, that's awesome. And so what do you make of that, Luke? Like as an artist, do you like that idea that then that means an issue, like you, as an artist that gives you a little more freedom with continuity wise too. You're like, we're just going to make this character. these like when the, when the baddie of the week or whatever shows up, you can do whatever you want. You don't have to worry like, wait, how did they react? And what was the name of this person in episode two? So is that like freeing as an artist to know that you're going to do 22 pages or 24 pages, and this is the story. And then while I'm dealing with these same five characters, I get to create a whole new background and I don't have to worry about what I did in episode one.
4: Exactly. And what, what's nice about it is like I said, it's it's very freeing is also, um, it's it, uh, drawing an ensemble cast on its own. it the first, uh, the first time I've drawn a 24, 26 page comic. Drawing an ensemble cast uh, to start off is actually quite, it's quite a difficult thing because you've got a lot of continuity with the faces, the way they look, all that kind of stuff. So not having a, a continuous storyline is nice because it, like I said, it frees me up, but it also means I don't get bogged down with sticking with the same characters. My, I, can, I, I give all my love to the main characters and the bad guys and and the main overarching bad guy and all that kind of stuff but it means i can be as as free and funny with i want with all the extra characters that we have going throughout the story and there are like john said there are bits and pieces where they, they link in back and that's when i have to go back through the through the pages and say okay you know this one i remember this guy had the haircut like this and i try and weave it in like there's a few little easter eggs that you will spot when you see the other issues but it doesn't it's not apparent it's not immediately obvious but yeah it's it's a, it's a nice thing it's a really nice thing because Jonathan initially when I to, was to design the characters he gave me kind of a, a couple of paragraphs of each one said, like, I want them to look like this and that was my framework so everything else he's left up to me environments all that kind of That's stuff awesome. he's left left to my own devices which is, is daunting but it's it's a good challenge you know so
0: yeah well I mean, it looks beautiful and again I've only Thank seen you. a handful of pages but what I've seen are just gorgeous um I get it Jonathan I get when you're like looking over what are you doing oh you're doing that. I need, I need some of that. I get it. Um, I, I, I love a good facial expression. And just on some of the panels you showed me like just the way that the characters look, I, I love a story. I talked to, do you guys know the artist Sam Lotfi. Do you know him at all? Do you know of him? He's a, mm-hmm. uh, I interviewed him and he does the covers for turtles now for IDW and he did it. Oh a, yeah, a, yeah. 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 So anyway, he, he said he studied drama in school. And so like that drama, um, Background informed the way that he drew, and I get that sense with you, Luke. There's a lot of that, and I think this story, Jonathan. um I'm a child. I was born in '73. I'm a I'm a child of that. So like you're you're scratching my itch, man. You're like you're giving me everything I want. You know, my whole child like, like like BJ and the Bear was the show in America where there was like, a, do you know it? A trucker and his monkey.
3: I vaguely know it. It's yeah. insane.
0: Yeah. It's stupid. <laughs> that was a show that made it more than one episode on TV. It made seasons. <laughs> or series, as you guys would say over there. It's absurd. And so I love that idea of you're going to lean into it and you're going to scratch the itch that that people my age, Gen Xers want. But I think even if you don't get it, I think there looks like there's going to be so much fun and um, adventure to be had that a new, you know, a 20-year-old reader would be like, this is hysterical. Um, it's obviously not, you know, you're not going for Superman is my favorite character and Spider-Man is my second favorite character. And that's all I read. If that's the case, this book is probably not for you, but it should be. Yeah. Cause you should like fun. <laughs>
3: <laughs> right. And yeah, that's what, We're going for just, you know, people who want to pick up a comic and just, you know, chuckle for, for however long it takes to read it. Yeah, ah, I'm so excited.
0: So let's tell everybody. And again, we're going to, we're going to wrap it up because you guys, this is, I'm intrigued. I'm buying it. Um, you guys are going to be back, and so in about two months from now, or whenever you're listening to this, I suppose it could be right now if you're listening to this in July. Hello from the future! But um, we're going to talk to Jonathan and Luke again at, once I get this in my hot little hands. So i um, tell everybody the things they can get. What are the cool? I, I saw some of the things that we're going to get some original art from Luke, depending mm-hmm. if you're that high up. So what are the things you're going to get? when you support this Kickstarter and what are your goals? It's a month long Kickstarter. So that's a long one. So that's good. I like that. But That also means it's going to be really ambitious. You're not doing like a month long Kickstarter and like we need 250 bucks. So tell everybody, <laughs> tell everybody, because if that's the case, you're like, I'll just write you a check and you give me the book. Let's go. But that's not <laughs> what you need. So, so tell everybody what our levels are and what's the cool stuff we're going to get.
3: Uh, so we're, we're going for 3000 um, pounds to, you know, hopefully, make a, a decent enough print run that we can get them to all the backers and then take them around to some shows, uh, sell them online. Um, so there's obviously standard digital copy. There's uh, the regular printed edition. There's a Kickstarter exclusive cover that uh, will not be available after the Kickstarter ends. Um, there's We've done a few prints of Luke's artwork. Um, there's there's one of the the cover to the issue there's a one he's specifically done just for the Kickstarter that's uh <laughs> that's uh it, it's it's the bad guy from issue one um and when you see it you're you're gonna love that I <laughs> <laughs> mean um, and then yeah as we go up there's some uh, the uh, original art pieces from Luke we've got mm-hmm. like a postcard postcard size sketch Um, a slightly bigger colored sketch. And then at the top, uh, we're gonna do a very, very limited run of blank sketch covers that uh, Luke is gonna sketch on himself. Wow. So no rest for the wicked.
0: That's exciting, Luke. I mean, that's exciting, right? I mean, that, right, it is no rest, as you say, but that's exciting because that is, um, you know, especially in the this, the past year and a half, we've had two years where we couldn't go to shows. So you're breaking into comics when hopefully shows will come back. So you'll get that. But I remember like as a kid, you know, going to the Chicago con and, um, you know, and you, there's like, there's Jill Thompson. And if you go give her, you know, and it wouldn't be like, you'd have to wait in line. If, there she was, you'd be like, Hey, Jill, how much for a delirium? And she would, you know, kick something out while she's. So that is like such a cool thing. And there's people who have this, you're giving everybody that sense of like, we're going to a con. But without having to go, so while still being safe, so that's very exciting.
4: Yeah, I think it was meant. We wanted to try and make the the all the tiers as as unique and as, as you know appealable to it as as possible to people because you understand that when you usually you want to spend your your, your four or five bucks as a, on a comic, right? And you know what you get. But when you when you investing in something, essentially you don't really know until you get the comic. You don't really know what it's going to be like. So we want to sweeten that deal and give you something that's a bit different. I may not be a mainstream name, but you're gonna get a good little bit of a, it's gonna be personalized to so you because it's gonna be the only one that's out there, which should which should kind of make it nice and make it, you know, again, personal.
0: Yeah, I think that's amazing. Well, I'm excited about this. So. They can go to Kickstarter. It's called Disco Nuts and there will be a link in the show notes. And so you guys are telling tell everybody some social media stuff. I'll put links in there too. Cause you know, people are going to want to follow you guys. You guys are going to be promoting this and being on other shows. So uh, what are, what are your social medias we can share?
3: Uh, yeah. Twitter is at the Disconauts and Instagram is at Nots comic.
0: It does. All right. Well, thank you guys. It was lovely to meet you and I look forward to talking to you guys soon.
3: Thank Pleasure. you. So it much for you. Having us. Thank you.